the principle of sowing and reaping. And you have to understand, he lays this principle out so plainly for us so that we get to understand so we don't see giving as a loss. And listen, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about even anything, your time. If you, if you see, it's, it's reason why you can have two different people call you. The first person call you, and you're happy to talk to them, and you talk to them for an hour. The second person call you, you don't really feel like talking, and you talk to them for 10 minutes. But it seemed like an hour. Why? Because you didn't see talking to the second person as a game. You saw talking to the first person as a game. And so when you do something you see as a game, you almost forget about time. Have you, have you ever spent time with people that go, man, I didn't know we've been talking for two hours. But then you talk to somebody else and go, man, it's been 10 minutes already. Why? Because it's how you evaluated the time. It's, it, you saw talking to them as a loss rather than a gain. Amen? And if you do that, then whenever God asks you to give of anything, of your time, of your resources, what, whatever it is, if you see giving as a loss and not a gain, you will always see it as something bad. All believers should, should, should love giving because it's a privilege and a responsibility for those who have received Christ. God gave Jesus for us, and as a result, we should model that, and we should be willing to give and to help others. Amen? We must understand that money is neither good nor bad. Sertrick told us that a couple, a, a couple of teachings ago. Money is just a tool. Uh, I call money a multiplier. If, if you mean and, and broke, when you have a lot of money, you're just going to be rich and broke. And, 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 well, rich and mean. You, you'll just do more mean things with the money. But if you're a good person, then, then having, money doesn't ch having money won't change you. People say money changes people, but it really doesn't. What money does, it, it shows your real character. That's what it, so if you got somebody who is really, really nice, really, really sweet, and they get a whole lot of money, and now they got a funky, nasty attitude, that's who they really were in the beginning. Money just, money just multiplied that. It lets you see who they really were. And so we must understand that money is not good or bad. It's just a multiplier. It's a tool, a tool used to equip other people to help them live their best life. You and I are blessed of God. Take your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. it is a blessing, a blessing to be a blessing. Be a blessing. Now, why is that? Why is it a blessing to be a blessing? Because in order to be a blessing, what do you have to have? Have. <laughs> you have to have. In order for you to give somebody something, you have to have it. So if you, that, that's what the Bible talks about in, 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 in Romans. We, we didn't read, I don't think, that one. But it talks about us overflowing with hope. If we're going to overflow with, with hope, then we have to make sure that, that we have hope in us. I can't give you what I don't have. It's the reason Pastor Sean says, you know, get here on time for confessions. Why? Because we want to get you excited, get you ready, get you confessing this word. Why? So that, so that if somebody come in late who's a visitor, you got something to give them. Amen? Amen? Sowing and reaping is an important principle to understand, but it's actually one of the least important things in the kingdom of God. I'm going to repeat that. Sowing and reaping is necessary in the kingdom, but it's actually one of the least important things in the kingdom of God. Pastor, why do you say that? You remember the story, and I won't read the whole thing, of the young man who was a steward over somebody's money. And the Bible says that his master said to him, hey, I need an accounting of all of my money. 
And the man knew he hadn't done right, so he said, oh, my Lord, what am I going to do? And he says he went to every one of the debtors. He said, Frank, how much you owe? Frank said, I owe 100. He said, write 50 down. He said, Chris, how much you owe? Chris said, I owe 60. He said, write 30 down. He said, Richard, how much you owe? Richard, I owe 20. He said, write 10 down. And the Bible says that literally God actually honored and said that he had done a good thing. Now, why did he say he had done a good thing? Because he had used money to set up his future. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Money, money should be used, should be used to, establish to establish your future. Your future. He said, as a result, he said, the children of this world are smarter than the children of light. Now, that's a pretty harsh saying. Why did he say that? Because he says there's a principle in the kingdom of God that Christians could use to set up their future. But they don't use that particular system. What they do is they try to use the system of the world even while they're living in the kingdom. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you cannot function in two kingdoms. You have to decide which one you're going to function in. Either you're going to function in the kingdom of the world and do things their way and prosper that, or you're going to have to come over here and do things the way God says, and you're going to have to prosper in this kingdom. But you cannot have one foot in and one foot out. The Bible says when you do that, you are lukewarm. And what did he say about being lukewarm? He says, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, what's going to happen? He says, I can't take you. I have to regurgitate you. I can't take you because you're not, you're not either hot or cold. And, 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 and I, I think about it. I don't drink tea, but I know a lot of people who do. And some people can't stand cold tea. They only like their tea hot. Some folk only like their tea uh, really, really cold. They don't like it hot. But nobody likes lukewarm tea. You, you, ever, been, you ever been to dinner with somebody and they say, hey, what would you like to do? And they go, oh, I want some lukewarm tea. <laughs> people don't like lukewarm. You've got to be one or the other. Amen? So understand this. You and I must understand that God is the source of our prosperity. Say, God is, God is the, source the source of my prosperity. Of my prosperity. Now, I know you say, well, Pastor Ed, what about, what about my job? You know what? Your job isn't your source. It is a resource. If you make the job your source, you make the job your God. Because whatever is your source is your God. Now, that is the reason that we say, you ought, and when Sergeant was teaching this, he says, you ought to have seven streams of income. You shouldn't even have your income coming from just one place. Why? Because you don't want to be in a situation where something becomes your God. So sowing and reaping is important, but it's not the most important. Why? Because in that scripture we were talking about, here, here's what happens. He asks him the question, and he says to him, he says, look, you've got all of these possessions, right? He says, you got all of these things. But when we, when we read the story about the, the rich young ruler, he asks him a question. He says, what must I do to inherit, to inherit eternal life? And then he says to him, he says, you must, uh, you, you know, he, he lists all these things he's supposed to do. And the little boy goes, I've done all of those from my youth. He said, but it's one thing you lack. Now watch this. One thing you lack. He says, what's that? He said, go sell all of your possessions and give it to the poor. I love this. He says, and at that same the young man went away sad. Now, think about that. Why did he, and you have to talk to me on this one, why did he go away sad? So the question becomes, did he have the possessions 
or did the possessions have him? That's why you have to understand. That's, that's the giving principle. Whenever God asks you to give, it's not because he needs, he needs you to understand what has you. So if God asks you for something and you can't let it go, you don't actually have the possession. The possession. So, so, when, we say, so, when, so when we say at this ministry, we believe in tithing and, the, and, the, and we, 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 we lay it out for scripture and you go, oh, well, I, don't, I don't do tithing. But the Lord tells you to tithe. You go, well, I don't do that because I just, just ain't my thing. Then that means the tithe is not, it, it, the, the money has you rather than you having it. I told somebody one time, Anything I have, the Lord can have it. Anything I have. Because if I have it and God asks for it and I don't give it, I have now superseded that thing with God. How many of y'all like to sleep? Like naps? Y'all ain't I know y'all do. If the Lord says to you, I need you to get up at 530 and pray. And you say, I can't get up that early. You have just exalted sleep above God. If the Lord says to you, I need you to stop dating that person, they're not good for you. You say, but I love her, Lord. <laughs> if he says leave them alone and you don't, you have now exalted that person above God. And so we have to make sure that we're not doing that. When it comes time to giving, we have to make sure that we are allowing ourselves to be stewards. Say this with me. Say, God owns everything. God owns everything. I, own I own nothing. Say, but, but. I'm the steward. Of a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't own it. But, I, but he, he, he trusts me so I can be steward over a whole lot of stuff. Why? Because the Lord trusts me. The Bible says this. The Bible says if you cannot be faithful over that which is another man's, he says, how can I give to you your own? And most of the time, the only reason God is asking us to give or to do something is because he wants to make sure that we always keep our heart in the right place. There's another scripture that says this. It says, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The truth of the matter is, and I can attest to it, most of us, if we're honest, our heart is with our money. How do I know? That's why you get up and go to work. Who, who, who want to work for free next week? Nobody want to go to work for free. No one wants to do that. Why? Because we don't want to. We, 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 we go to work because we love the money. So, so, so you have to make sure then that your love for the money doesn't become greater than your love for God. And it's not just money, but I use the example of money because money is something everybody can understand. Listen, giving is never about the money. Take it and say, neighbor, yes. giving yes. is never yes. about the money. Yes. It is about how we prove to ourselves who we trust. Yes. No servant can serve two masters. So giving gives us the opportunity to see who we trust. When you become a giver, you understand that you are now putting weight on God. The Bible says God will never let those who are givers be ashamed. But if you never test that theory out, if you never give God an opportunity, if you never, have a, if you never take the opportunity to put all of your weight on God, then you end up never really getting to know God. Take a neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. 
everybody, everybody. needs their own experience. Yes. Everybody needs their own experience. It's not enough for you just to hear about what the Lord did for the McCoys. That's great, but you need to hear about what the Lord did for you. You need your own alabaster testimony. You need your own getting up out the grave testimony. You need your own I was sick unto death, but now I've been healed testimony. Because when you do that and when you understand that and you put money in its right perspective, money is really not that big of a thing. In fact, he calls, he used the word God and mammon. We talked about that before. Mammon is not money. It's actually the spirit that wants to control money. But understand that, that when you look at money and then you look at the anointing, the anointing is far more precious, far more precious than money. The anointing can produce more than money can produce. Money can't heal. The anointing can the anointing will restore a relationship that everybody said was totally destroyed. It'll, re it'll, re it'll restore that relationship. Why? Because the anointing of God is more powerful. But most people want to hang on to money more so than the anointing. Why? Because we have been conditioned in our world to think a certain way. We've been conditioned to think that giving doesn't matter. And if we think that giving doesn't matter, or sometimes we go, well, what I have to give ain't that much. Take your neighbor say, never. Say, neighbor. Never despise your seed. I'm telling you, ever. You, it doesn't matter, and I want you to hear me, it doesn't matter how much you give. I've said this before, if the Lord tells you to give $2 and you give $2 and, and, that's, and, and, and you have a million, you still obey God. But if you got a million and the Lord says give 100000 you give fifty. you didn't obey God. You have to obey God. Obeying God puts you in a position to have the supernatural miracles happen in your life. Amen? I want us to look at Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 30. We talked about this, but I want you to kind of see it because I believe that there's going to come a time where, and I hate to use the word test, I'm going to use the word prove. There's going to be a time that, that, that you're going to have to prove what you say. There was a bishop, and I forget his name, uh, from Africa. But he, whenever he teaches on faith, he always says faith is proof. That, that faith is proof. That if, if, you say you, if you say you believe something, where is the proof? We, we say we believe, where is your proof? And our proof ought to be in our actions. That if we believe God, then we should be obeying what God has said. Amen? When Jesus had gone forth, a man came to him and asked him, he said, what must I do to inherit, to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him to obey the commandments, and the man replied, he had obeyed them all since his youth. Jesus told him that he lacked one thing and instructed him to sell all that he had, give to the poor, and to follow him. The Bible says that, that man went away sad because he had great possessions. The reason he was sad is because he saw giving as a loss. Take your neighbor say, giving is not a loss. Understand, when you give, yes, it leaves your hand, but it never leaves your life. A farmer isn't sad when he sows seed. In fact, the only reason he sows seed is because he's expecting a harvest. When you give, you ought to be expecting a harvest. So if you're expecting a harvest, what's to be sad about? So, so, and these are, these are the kind of things you have to talk to yourself about and go, okay, if every time the Lord asks me to give, if, whether it's my time, my resources, whatever it is, if I get sad when I have to do it, 
Why do I get sad? It's because I don't expect a return. And that's why most people don't give, because they do not expect a return. People say, well, Pastor Edwin, if you give, why should you expect a return? Because the Lord said so. Because the Lord says, we try, to be, uh, we try to be noble and humble and say, well, I just give, I don't expect nothing back. That's not biblical. That's not, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's seed, there's time, there's harvest. And so if I give, so, so literally every time I do something, I expect it in return. So if somebody asked me to talk and I, and I was really busy and I want to do something else and I stop what I'm doing and I listen for 15 minutes, I believe that there's going to come a time where I get to redeem or reclaim my time. How? Because I'm going to need somebody's 15 minutes or somebody's hour, and they're going to be busy. But because I sold time, I'm going to be able to harvest time. You want to know why some people don't fool with you? Because you don't fool with nobody. Oh, it's real talk. That's real talk. People don't fool with you because you don't fool with nobody. You only call people when you need something. You don't check on them. You don't talk to them. You just wait till you need something. And then when you need something, you want everybody to stop. You want everybody to quit what they're doing. You want everybody to come to your rescue. Nope. You didn't sow time. You don't get no time. So if I need resources, guess what I'm going to have to sow? Resources. But it's not a loss. Because it may leave my hand, but it doesn't leave my life. In fact, it goes and comes back to me in abundance. Amen? Amen. The Bible says like this. It says, Whatever, however you measure it out, is how it's going to be measured back to you. What does that mean? Imagine you had a soup bowl, right? And if I wanted to give you some soup, imagine how long it would take for me to take a teaspoon and dip you some soup. Now, I could do it, and I could eventually fill your bowl up, wouldn't, couldn't I? But imagine if you got one of, them big, one of them big ladles. Two scoops you'd be full, right? He says that's how blessings come. However you meet it out is how it's going to come back. So, yeah, you can be a small, you, in terms of, not in terms of number, but in terms of obedience. You can do the small things, but it's going to trickle back to you. Or you can go all out and obey God and watch the flood of goodness come back to you. Yes. Take your neighbor say, you have the, take your neighbor say, neighbor. You have, you have the ability, the ability to, determine to determine how, how your, abundance your abundance comes into your life. Into your life. Mm-hmm. Every person in here has the ability to determine how that abundance comes into their life. Understand, giving is an act of trust. It springs out of a belief in God's promises. People who don't mind giving, they, they don't mind giving because they trust God. Not just to the church, even to other people. See, sometimes we get into this habit, unknowingly, unwittingly, of helping people who we think can help us. But the Bible doesn't say that if you help people who can help you, there's a blessing there. What it says is, whenever you lend to the poor, he says, I'll repay you. So you have to get to the place where you are comfortable giving even if the person you're giving to can't give back to you. You have to be able to understand that that person is not the harvest. God is the Lord of the harvest. And so I don't have to give to Tamara and then expect Tamara to give back to me. I just have to obey God and he can touch anybody's heart he wants to to get it back to me. Say my giving giving determines determines my trust. trust. 
Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power and of love and what? So if God tells you to give and everybody else saying, man, you shouldn't be giving, you shouldn't be doing that, you shouldn't be doing this. You don't have to have any fear. It ain't going to work because if you've obeyed God, there is no fear there. Can I say you have to be careful of well-meaning people? Because well-meaning people say things like this. Well, you know, the Lord knows your heart. He does. He knows you're a disobedient person. But just saying God, see, somebody thinks just by saying God knows my heart doesn't make everything all right. And, you know, but people do that. They, 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 they justify whatever they want to do by saying, well, you know, the Lord knows my heart. You're right. He does. He knows your heart. And so we have to be careful that we don't fall into this trap of saying God knows my heart. When what we really want to say is I don't feel like obeying. Understand, when we notice fear in any area of our life, we have to deal with it. You tell your neighbor, say, you must deal with fear. The reason I like to talk to people about fear where their finances are concerned is because if you can ever get over fear where your finances are concerned, you can conquer almost everything else with ease. We call it the choke test. Everybody, at some point in time, God's going to ask you to do something. And it may not even involve money at all. God's going to ask you to do something, and it's going to take you to this level where you feel like the air is being choked out of you. If you have never reached that level, I submit to you, you may not be listening to God very well. Because God is always pushing us to greater heights. And there are times that God will ask. I, I can remember specifically a particular time when we lived in Conway when I wanted to say something to Sean because she was so wrong. I gave you the chance to preach with me. You turned it down. <laughs> I wanted to say something so bad. And I remember the Lord told me not to say anything. And I wanted to say something so bad. And I, but I wanted to obey God that I ended up obeying God. And I was just crying and everything. And I didn't get to say what I wanted to say. And then she actually came back and apologized. But now watch this. I could have sued. I felt like my breath was being taken away. Because I wanted to tell her some stuff. And see, it, now I know y'all laughing, but married folk know what I'm talking about. There have been some times. She talking about why you crying. I ain't crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm about to kill you. But in obeying God, Things worked out far better than if I had done it on my own. Here is, here, here is the fear challenge that when it comes to money, if we allow fear to get into our, into, into our money, fear is disobedient. It won't stay just with your money. Then you'll start fearing about your health. You'll start fearing about your relationships. You'll start fearing. I remember during those times, and I, I think I've, told, I've shared this before, that during those times, I used to have great anxiety about, about Taylor being out of my sight. 
if she was out of my sight, I used to almost have panic attacks because I just knew that something bad was going to happen. Well, the, the, the fact of the matter is, once we made a decision to become tithers, and we was like, we know that nothing's going to happen to us because the word of God promises us, that kind of fear and, 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 and nervousness and all that stuff, it went away. Why? Because if you deal with fear where your money is concerned, you can easily deal with fear in every other area. The enemy knows that his only opportunity is to get us to be scared enough not to obey God. Yep. He, wants to, he wants to tempt us. He wants to tell us that what God said and what God promised is not going to come to pass. He keeps whispering things like, you're going to look like a fool. You, you, Everybody's going to laugh at you. You're going to get your lights cut off. You're going to lose your car. You're going to lose your job. You must be crazy. And watch this. And then when you don't do it, then he go, you crazy for not doing it. The Bible says he's an accuser of the brethren. He accuses no matter what. He's going to accuse you if you take his side. He's going to accuse you if he don't. I know I ain't the only one who done listened to the devil before, and then you did what the devil said, and then the devil came back and talked about you for doing what he said. I know I'm not the only one. He'd be like, cuss him out, strict. Tell them. Just tell them. Just sometimes they don't understand unless you cuss them strict. Yeah. He, he just be right here. And, they, and your flesh be like, you know, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. And then you let them rip. And then he's sitting there going, I can't believe you, preacher. Come on, Reverend. You going to cuss like that, Reverend? Come on, Bishop. Now he the one who just told me to do it. So you don't listen to him because he's going to accuse you no matter what. So you find out what God says and you just do what God says. Fear is a dangerous thing. Pastor Sean a couple of weeks ago talked about Job and how Job was a man who continuously prayed for his children because he felt like his children were going to do something disobedient and something was going to happen. And the Bible says that the very thing that Job feared... The thing he was terrified, it said it came up on him. Why? Because fear is a connector just like faith is a connector. So, so you ever hear people say, man, I'm broke before I get my check. Well, yeah, because you just keep saying it. So it connects you to it. I call it a reciprocal. Faith and fear are reciprocals of one another. Both of them are powerful, but neither one of them can be in the same place at the same time. You cannot be in faith and fear. That's why he said, Lord, I believe, faith, but help me with this unbelief. Get this unbelief out of me. How do we get the unbelief out? We understand God's word. We become conditioned to believe God at all cost. You, if my, if my, we talk about stuff like this all the time, and we have people we talk to in counseling sessions and stuff. If, I know my wife. If somebody came and told me something about my wife, that I don't think is part of her character, even if I had video evidence, I would still almost not believe it. Why? But, but, what, what? I said, I said almost. Why? But don't miss the point here. Because when you know somebody intimately, you know them. So if somebody came and they said, oh, Sean said so-and-so, I was like, mm, that don't sound like her. But if they came back and said, Sean said so-and-so, I'd be like, mm, okay, that kind of sounds like she may have said that. You got to know the difference between when God is telling you something 
and you telling you something. You, you, because, because we will tell ourselves some stuff. Am I the only one? We will tell ourselves, we will convince ourselves of some good truths. Not the truth, but some good truths. Come on, and then say, I love Miss Young, Young said, and then say, God said it. Absolutely. We would, we would convince ourselves of something and then tell ourselves, God said it, even though his word says something different. Then we get deep. Well, you know, them ain't even all the books of the Bible, though. Because now you want to justify what you want to do, and, and, and now you're saying, oh, well, you know, it could be some other books who, who say we could, listen, this is the book you got. Listen, fear will always try to stop you from giving. Fear will stop you from giving, not, not just money, but even your time. You'll have people who'll be like, I don't know why you spend so much time talking to your family. They ain't never going to change. Did the Lord tell you to stop talking to them? Because if the Lord hadn't told you to stop talking to them, then I don't care how crazy they act or how they reject you, you keep talking to them. I am a witness to this, and my wife will tell you, me and my brother used to have a, a, almost a non-existent relationship. We just, we, just, we, just, we just didn't talk to each other. We just didn't. And I remember the Lord started saying to me, he was like, how are you going to have relationships with all these other people and you don't have a relationship with your brother? And I would say to the Lord, because I'm honest, I say, you know how he is, God? You know exactly why I don't have a relationship with him. And he would say, but that's not how I do you. He says, what I need you to do is I need you to extend an olive branch to your brother. He said, here's how you do it. The next time he calls, do not rush him off the phone. Remember that two minutes? It felt like two hours? That's how I used to feel. Now I hang around, talk to Kenosha for three hours, and it feel like five minutes. But I couldn't talk to my own brother? The Lord was like, you need to deal with that, because if you deal with that, then you can deal with other areas. So I did it. And immediately, when I did it, the Lord started changing his heart and how he talked to me. So I thought it was just me changing, but really the Lord was working on both sides. The problem for many people is we don't take care of our side. We waiting on somebody else, and the Lord is like, no, you do your part. I know how to do mine. And so literally over the course of the last year, my brother called me. We laugh. We have a good time. He don't even try to stay on the phone a long time now, or at least it don't seem like it now. He, he, he tell a couple of jokes, he, he laugh about something, catch me up on what's going on down in Conway, and then he said, all right, love you, bro, and we get off the phone. And everything is good. Why? Because I decided to make the first step. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. when it comes to giving, comes to giving God, God already knows, knows how he's going to bless you. You talking about, I don't know if I can, because I don't know if he's going to bless me. He already got his part figured out. He's just waiting on, yes, he's waiting on us. We got to do what we're supposed to do. So we can't allow fear to get in our way. The number one reason people are afraid to give is because they see giving as a loss instead of a gain. They see it as a loss instead of a gain. It was true with the rich young ruler. When the rich young ruler, oh, we, we talked about him when, when, when he was giving up all of his possessions I mean, he, he, was, he was just like, oh, my gosh, I, I got to give up everything. Not understanding it by giving up everything, he would have actually gained more. Uh -huh. 
Because if he'd have stayed and listened to the end of the sermon that Jesus was giving him, he'd have found out that no man, having given up houses, lands, brothers and sisters, would not receive in this lifetime all those things back again. So whatever God asks you to give up, just know he's not, going, he's not taking it from you forever. He is receiving it so that he can multiply it for you. Many people associate giving with grief. Many people associate giving with grief. Why? When a person dies, what do we say? We what them? We grieve them. We grieve them. Why are we grieving people who pass away? Because we feel like it is a loss. We won't get to see them anymore. Even though we know if they're saved that they're in heaven, right? We still grieve because there is a loss. If you grieve when it's time to give, it's because you see it as a loss. You have to understand that when, you, when, when the Lord asks you for something, he's never asking just to take it from you. He wants to ensure that you have. But the only way to ensure that is you have to participate in the system of seed, time, and harvest. To your neighbor and say, however you sow, sow. is how you will harvest. You sow once a year. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I appreciate y'all being in tune, though. I appreciate that. I, pre- I do. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. If you only give once a year, how can you really expect to get a harvest every week? I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. If you want to be a person who live in a perpetual state of receiving, guess what you have to live in? A perpetual state of giving. You do. Now, does that mean I got to give everything I got to ever say? No, 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 no. It means that when the Lord asks, you have to be obedient. We believe in this ministry that the Lord has asked all of us to set aside a tenth for our tithe. That belongs to God. We also believe that we should hear God individually about what we should give as an offering. We also believe that we should be hearing how God wants us to bless other people who are not in this ministry. You know, every time you see somebody on the street asking for money, I'm not saying you got to give it to them, but if the Lord prompts you. I told somebody one time, because somebody said, they said to me, they said, well, why do you give to them? You know they just scamming you. They're not scamming me. You can't scam, scam me when I'm being obedient to God. If, I don't care if he drives a Mercedes Benz. If the Lord says give him $10 and I give him $10, I have done my part. And I think most people don't get there because they see that as a loss. It's like, why would I give him $10? He probably got a Mercedes Benz. He make more hours than I do. I, he out there, and everybody giving him money. I got to work hard for mine. I ain't going to give him nothing. What did the Lord say? What did the Lord say? Because if the Lord didn't tell you to give it, you ain't got to have a bunch of commentary about it. But if the Lord said give it, you should just obey God and don't worry about what he does with the money. Amen? Amen. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and 7, it says, Do not be deceived. Do not delude or mislead yourself. God will allow himself to, will not allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions or by his precepts being set aside. It says he inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man sows, that and that alone is what he will reap. That's not the Amplified. Basically, it says this, God, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that's how he also reap. Whatever he sows. That's the reason Pastor Sean was saying last week that when you give, it's a heart condition on how you give. You even, even, even if you decide to obey God, there ought to be an attitude for which you give. 
you, you don't give grudgingly. You don't be, you don't, you don't be like, here, Lord, take, take your time. No, you, you should have joy in your heart about giving it. And say, Lord, here, here's, here's, here's my tithe, here's my offering. I submit this to you, and I thank you already for the harvest I'm going to receive in advance. Amen? So, so he says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Don't delude yourself. It says, it says he, right here it says, for whatever a man sows, that and that alone is what he will reap. And I think for most people, we don't take that principle serious enough. But it is a principle of God. Amen? The Apostle Paul teaches us why and how to give. The reason we should give is to be a blessing to others. That's why we give. That's why we give, to be a blessing to others. You say, well, how does that help with the ministry? Because when you sow into this ministry, your tithes and your offerings, it's doing several things. It's helping us continue to do the things that we do in terms of having church here. It's helping us put money aside to get our building, praise God, amen. It helps with things in, in children's church. It helps us to buy new equipment when we need it. You are making sure that people are able to hear the gospel. There are so many people, and I realize this now that we, we go live on Facebook on Wednesday nights, there's so many people who don't have a church home at all. They don't have a church home at all. I mean, it's not like they listen to us on Wednesday because they church don't have. They don't have a church. And they're like, oh, my God, this is so refreshing. If I had had a church like this, I wouldn't have stopped going to church. Do you know that it, that, that really is an indictment against the church? Because I, I love my wife and I love myself. I don't think what we do is so spectacular. Don't get me wrong. It, it, it just, it's just amazing. But, but here's the thing. People who have been hurt in church, they don't want a bunch of religion. All they want to know is, Pastor, tell me what I need to do. What are some steps that I can get me out of this bed? How can I stop being depressed? How can I pray for my mother who has cancer who needs to be healed? Those are real-life answers that people want. But watch this. If you have fear in your life in one area, it'll, it'll go to another area. The Bible says it like this. A little leaven or a little yeast does what? Makes the whole cake rise. You ever notice that? You put a little yeast, and, and it makes all the rolls just puff up, and you just put a little bit in there. You cannot have a little fear. Amen. I say it like this. Being, having a little fear is like being a little pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're either in fear or you're not. So you got to make sure that you are not walking along in fear. I want to look at uh, Haggai chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. <laughs> Haggai chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Because sometimes, sometimes people are like, well, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm giving. You know, why ain't it working? I submit to you that part of the problem is, is that we sow but we keep our eyes on the seed. Let me hear something. Have you ever watched paint dry? It's a reason you've never watched paint dry. It's boring. Doesn't do anything. But how many know you can paint something, go live your life, come back 12 hours later and it's dry? The reason people have a hard time is because they sow their seed but they keep staring to see. They don't go and live their life. They don't go and live their life. 
It's like the same thing with people who do the stock market. If you're going to put money in the market, you can't be watching it every day going, oh, my God, it's up. Oh, my God, it's down. Oh, my God, it's up. Oh my God. You got to be in it for the long haul. And when you're in it for the long haul, you ain't looking at it every day. You're monitoring it, but you ain't waking up in the morning going, oh, my God, what did it do? Oh, and 12 o'clock noon, oh, my God, where is it? You're not doing that. If you're investing for the long haul, you're sowing your seed, and then you're living your life. And while you're living your life, then God is bringing forth the harvest. Listen, if you sow, whether to the church or to somebody individually, and three weeks later you're still talking about how you sowed, you never let that seed go. You never let that seed go. If you sow into somebody's life, and then you see them on Facebook at the mall, and you get all agitated. <laughs> Man, I just let them borrow $50. Now he at the mall. I need him to run me my money. If you do that, I submit to you, you didn't let it go. You didn't let it go. Once you let a seed go, you're not looking to see what the seed is doing. You know that that seed, if it hits the ground, is going to take root. You know if it takes root, it's going to be a stalk. You know if it's going to be a stalk, it's going to be an ear. You know if it's going to be an ear, it's going to be a full ear pretty soon. You know the harvest is coming. But most people, when they give, they see it as a loss. And because they see it as a loss, they watch it. Look, here it says you have, now this, this is some people's dilemma. It says you have sown much, but you bring in little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. It says, and he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag, what? With holes. Now, now, now. This, this is so important because they was having this conversation about giving. And they was like, look, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. He says, look, some of y'all are earning wages, but you never getting ahead. I know people who are living at the same level. When they, they was broke when they made 40000 a year. They got a raise to sixty, they still broke. They got a raise to 80, they still broke. They got a raise to 120, they still broke. Why? Because they kept increasing their lifestyle and they didn't take care of the principal thing. It doesn't matter how much money you make. If you say you are a believer, if you say you trust and you honor God, if you don't tie, I'm telling you, the devil has a way of coming and getting your wages. It's not a scare tactic. I'm saying to you, you can't be in the kingdom and live outside the kingdom. Now, you can live outside the kingdom and ball out and do it the way you do it and make all kinds of money and be successful if that's what you want to do. He says, but in the kingdom, there's a way. So if you're one of these people and you say, you know what, every time I get a raise, every time I get increased, it don't seem to be enough. you got to ask yourself, what are you doing? He says, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Are, are, are you giving to the church, but every time God asks you to give to your coworker, you're like, I ain't giving her nothing. And people, some people do that. They go, well, no, I do enough. I, I do enough. I give to my church. I even try, Pastor Sean makes fun of me. I even try to hear the Lord when people come by and knock on my door. I don't want their magazines. I don't want your cleaner that you squirt in your mouth and show me how you can clean my floor. Yeah, you, you know, you, yeah. Have y'all had, have y'all had those people come by your house? Have you had them come by? They come by your house and they, and, 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 and what they do is they take it and they, they, they squirt a little, a little bit and then they clean this one little spot. 
I'm like, man, don't clean that little spot because down the road, I ain't buying that stuff, and now the rest of it going to be dirty. Right. Oh, look, it's bio. They're like, it's biodegradable. You know? You can get two bottles for $9.99, and I throw it. I'm like, mm. But sometimes I, I, I just listen to the Lord, and sometimes the Lord will say, you know what? Give him $20. And I'm like, look, I don't want your product. I, I appreciate you coming by. I know you're out here working hard. And I tell him, I said, look, I don't want your stuff, but the Lord told me to give you $20. Here's $20. I ain't buying you stuff. Have a great day. <laughs> Have a great day. Go ahead. Go, don't, don't waste time on me. Go sell that to somebody who may buy it. God bless you. I hope it works out. But then sometimes the Lord doesn't tell me to do that, and I, and I don't. But Pastor Sean makes fun of me sometimes because I listen to everybody who come by. She's like, why do you go to the door? Because the Lord may tell me to do something. I ain't telling you you got to answer the door every time, but I'm just saying. Uh, but what I, what I have learned, though, is that sometimes we miss opportunities because we predetermine what we're going to do. We predetermine. We say, you know, we, we predetermine that we're not going to bless somebody or give or do something like that. And I'm telling you, if you want to be a person who gets to the place where you can say, Lord, I believe and I don't have any unbelief, you have to get to the place where you're obedient enough to God that when God asks you to give, you give. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. I, I am a giver. a giver. A giver. You're a giver. And he, he, you know what giver, you know what believers do? Believers believe. You know what givers do? Give. You know how you should give? The Bible says you should give cheerfully. You should give cheerfully. You should be a prompt to do it giver. Listen, I want you to understand, as we go forward, we keep talking about faith. We keep talking about finances. This is our year of great victory. This is our year to be filled with hope and promise. I want you to understand that you do not have to be terrified that if you trust God, it's not going to work out. Pastor Tony says it like this. No man comes to God and does not what? Receive. Every time you come to God, you receive. In fact, make this confession. Say, I will, I will not, not be, ashamed be ashamed for obeying God. For obeying God. Amen. Amen. I will not be ashamed for obeying God. Listen, that was my message for today. I, I want you to understand God loves you. I want you to grow up and mature and get to the place that you start hearing God. And when God asks you to do something, that you do it without 